BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of. One that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And welcome to another episode of Street Politicians, the, the place, place where, where the, the streets, streets and politics meet. It is Women's History Month. Listen, Happy Women's History Month. Happy Women's Month. History Month to all of you beautiful women out there who yes. have made history or are making history. Yes. Salute to you. Yes. And I feel like Women's History Month is an extension of Black History Month. So that's two months rather than one for me as a black woman. Well, listen. Women's history is black history. Okay. Right? Yes, because black women have definitely created history. Absolutely. Paved the way for history. You made a demand that made the history, and you created your own history. Oh, well, now that's powerful. Listen to me. That created the history. That's what I'm talking about. Talk your stuff. Talk your I'm, you stuff. Know, I'm just going to call it how I see it. So we're going to have a lot of um, incredible words today by our guest that will be coming up really, really soon. Yes, one of my favorites, one of my idols, Yes, if you will. You yes, know. well, we shouldn't give it away. We ain't going to say nothing. Let's but not give it y'all away Y'all got a yet. treat. Y'all got a treat. Y'all got a treat. A treat coming up. Um, the whole thing on country over the last few weeks is frozen. This I don't is know. just crazy. The like temperature. The temperature is just really. Bo- Yo, listen to me. We were in lots of Christmas. Corpus Christi, Corpus Christi, Texas. Texas. Then in Louisville, Kentucky, it was hard to get it out. It was twenty degrees in Texas. Crazy. We, we was on the beach. We were supposed to have a rally for um. No, Brianna. we wasn't supposed we, to. We, I mean, had we a went. Rally. Yes, you're right. We went and had a rally at Corpus Christi. For Breonna Taylor's law that they want to pass in Texas with Breonna Taylor's mother and some other organizers from Texas. And we were on the beach. And in Louisville. Some Louisville um, people came out to support her and the the, um, petitioning of the law. And it was so freezing. Ooh. And they were saying just the week before it was 70, 80 degrees. And it was 20 degrees in Texas. It was Unbelievable. We had to to get out of there because it was so cold. It canceled all the flights. So we had to drive 
to, to Houston. To Houston, who we barely got the last fight out of Houston. That was which you see what happened to Houston, man. Shout out to my brother Trade the Truth, man. Yeah. He's been on the ground working for all of the people. Relief trying gang. To, relief gang, the relief gang, all the work he's done out there, man. I, I seen him frustrated. I mean, I tried to call him first couple days. He wasn't even answering the phone. He was so busy, you know, because he really takes, like, he's really the mayor of Texas. It's not even like Houston. He is the mayor. He's on the ground every minute, every situation. He's always showing up. And it's not yeah. like no fake thing. It's, it's the, always it's the it's red cross, the black red cross. The black red cross. That's right. That's it's the black cross. The black cross. I'll tell you. Yeah, Trey's doing a lot of uh, great work there. He's been doing it, so it's nothing new. But nothing this is a all. different type of situation because usually when he's in like hurricane season, it's warm. But rainy and stormy and what have you, and 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 they're real serious crises. I'm not, you know, any in any way negating it or minimizing it, but it's something different to be in 12 degree uh, below. Especially uh, when 12, you don't, most people in Texas below. don't even have coats. Yeah, and because and it's have not, it, it's not they don't even experience exactly. Them. And people's pipes are bursting, and and then all the power is out. It's crazy. Power is out. I I have a cousin who lives. I have several cousins, lots of family who live in Houston who told me that um, in some places they're turning the power off and on. So they'll give you about eight hours and then you have to figure it out for the rest of your day. Um, and, you know, that's a sad way to live. You know how they love to say uh, most of the cities where there's uh, uh, crime within the black community, it's they're, they're democratic cities. They're, the mayors are Democrats and in the states that they're in, they're Democrats. Well, most of the states that are experiencing literal death right now, literal death, wow. are states where um, Republicans are in charge and cities. And one city within Texas, Colorado City, the mayor had to resign because they were saying some crazy stuff about nobody's here to give you a handout. Yeah, you need to figure crazy. it out and find light, find heat, find food. Do what you have to do. You know, if you lazy, that's because of your your the whoever raised you. I mean, just absolutely him, disrespectful. Listen, this is what I'm saying, man. Leadership is important. Yeah. You know, the people that we vote into leadership is very either is going to highlight and elevate our lives or be detrimental to it. Absolutely. You know, so when you hear a, a leader, a mayor say something like that, it's just unbelievable. Right, and and the reason why it's important, I mean, you know, I, I'm in no way suggesting that any place that a Republican has uh, control or is a, the leader, that that means that you will see um, the type of disaster that we're watching in Houston. But, but it's important because but they it's, always it, make it seem like it's not Well, Well, they don't believe in global warming. Um, they don't support, you know, any of the progressive issues that would actually deal with infrastructure and um, resources for natural disasters and things like this. Um, and in fact, that money or the money that is needed in order to um, in order to get in front of these types of situations has been allocated in, in, uh, in different directions. They actually do not support in any way building infrastructure that supports families uh, when uh, there are natural disasters. And certainly whenever all the pipes in, 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 in your home and many, 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 I mean, thousands and thousands, I saw Tamar Braxton talking about her home uh, in Texas and, and how bad it is. Uh, Tam, uh, Tammy 
uh, Roman also same thing crying on on Instagram about what's happening to her home and all the others who uh, she knows of that have either lost their lives or lost their properties and just watching the footage we all know water damage floods that's that is really devastating and watching water just pour into the homes of these families our elders people with with kids folks having to take their food outside and put it in the in the in the ice in order to survive i mean it has been really really unfortunate yeah, it's been rough yeah it has been for sure so it's really been rough man a lot of love to the people there they're trying to put their lives back together after having you know such a a terrible a uh, few weeks in terms of the weather. And I mean, even in places like Memphis and Tennessee, yeah. the, the snow, the ice. So something is changing in the atmosphere. Something is definitely changing, man. It's, it's just seeing people suffering, you know, suffering and dealing with trauma. We already dealing with this pandemic and now you right. gotta, you know, it's just, it's way too much, man. So my prayers and, and my heart goes out to everybody who's experiencing Troubles in these times in all of those regions. Yeah, and 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 you know, more black women need to be leading around the nation. I think preparation for potential disaster is what we do best as women. And celebrating Women's History Month, you know, we need to be talking about how how women, as you said, have paved the way in so many different areas. I think a lot of our young men don't really understand the influence of women and especially black women on the things that they do every single day. They, they don't know, you know, they, I, I believe society sort of led us to believe that men created everything, designed everything. And that, you know, men are, were, were the trailblazers and women were just home raising babies and supporting their men. And that's actually not true. You know, we are leaders in our own right. So it's all, you know, Women's History Month for, for me, as I said, it is an extension of black history. And, and I was thinking, you know, because that's what I do, I think. So for my thought of the day, I tried to understand what Boosie was saying about um, Lori Harvey. I really tried to understand. And I don't get it. I'm with you. I need your I don't get it segment today because <laughs> I didn't get I I listened so what did, what and did he read say? intently. What? So at some point, and, and to be honest with you, I still can't even find one because I just haven't had the time to really dig. But I can't really find what Lori originally said. I know something about her saying goals to a statement that implied it and so he says, I didn't hear it myself, but that it implies that, you know, people moving from person to person, like, you know, if it don't work out, keep it moving type of thing in terms of relationships. It's no no secret that we've seen her associated with different guys over the last couple of years. Um, and, you know, and, and people love to love her. And every site, every blog, everybody is always on Lori Harvey, what she's doing, where she's at, who she's talking to, or what have you. And so somewhere she must have made a comment saying that some part of that is goals. And then Boosie responds, because you know he gets himself into stuff, and he always has a comment. Yeah. Um, and he he responded, 
But he starts rambling into this thing about not giving women credit for things like this. Uh, don't give women power. And we need to give it to the men who are running through these beautiful women. That's where the credit should go. And I was like, I don't get it. Because he later on came back to try to wow. clean up his statement. And he said his point is that if we think it's goals for a woman to move from person to person, then what we're telling our daughters is that by a certain age, they can, you know, have seven different men. They can sleep with seven different men in a short period of time. And, you know, the reason why I said I tried to understand is because I was trying to figure out if he was saying something and trying to give some type of moral advice, which is boosie. So, you know, that's a little challenging for, for a lot of things that he said. But I think where I'm really, really challenged is around the level of misogyny that exists within the statements that he made, but also this idea, and you and I are constantly in a battle about it, why men think they need to comment so much on what women are doing or what women are saying and less on what men need to do to be better leaders in their households, in their communities. And, and that perhaps if men, if, if seven different type of men weren't trying to get with her, then maybe that wouldn't be the case. And beyond that, you know, and this is not a, a, for Boosie, it's for anybody. But the other piece of it is that, you know, why are we policing women anyway? Like, why is it if a man can have seven different women, which they do oftentimes, and by the way, a lot of women date different guys. If it's not working, they move on. For me, it's the fact that you don't stick around in a situation where you know you're going to get burned and hurt, right? So I can appreciate that. These guys, and I, like I said, women who move from, you know, they date different people, which I think is healthy to date different people. The only difference between Lori Harvey and those individuals is that we don't see it online. Mm -hmm. You don't get to see it in, you know, on social media every minute of the day. But I think it's, I don't think it's right to police a, a woman in general. I just don't. I don't see her out there robbing, stealing, and killing. I think. I think for me, like I see, I see your point, you know. And there's definitely a double standard, you know, in which we have to look at. And I think, as men, we've accepted a flaw that we have. We've accepted the fact that relationships are going to be different from us. We've accepted, like, when, when I have a conversation with women and I be explaining to them about men, because I've never been a woman before. So I can't give a conversation to a woman about, yo, this is what women do or this is what men... I explain to them the mentality of a man, right? And I can't change the mentality because a lot of times we're dealing with the same exact flaws. We, we are looking at you and we want to give you the best advice. And you're like, yo, he did this and this. And you're like, why don't you tell him this? And I'm telling you, the reality is I can say what I want to this man. I can have all the conversations I want. I can tell him this. But there is this innate flaw in men that we do shit wrong in relationships, right? And we perceive things different, you know? And, and the way that we enter into relationships and see women and visualize women are just different. They're just different than what women believe we should perceive, right? So if a man, if a woman has been with a lot of men, first of all, we judge the caliber of men you've been with, right? We look at the level of men and we, and we compare ourselves to them. And we say, well, if she messed with that dude, I can't mess with that because we don't see that man as the same caliber as we are, right? 
or we look at the amount of men you dealt with. We say, okay, the amount of men, the amount of time, how often did they, did they even have a relationship? Is is there some connection? Does she respect herself? How does she carry herself? Because it reflects us as men, right? Because when you're with a woman that other men don't respect, they don't respect you, and they don't respect her too, right? So if you start to date a woman that men see as easy, they openly disrespect you because they figure, why would you be with somebody that's easy? I could talk to her. She talked to everybody in the world. She's open. I know I've been around her. She's been dating. She do this. So they disrespect you and her in your face. It jeopardizes your life. It jeopardizes your reputation. It jeopardizes how you move forward. And we know that this is how men think, right? Because they see you as someone who is accessible. We understand that you're going to put us in harm's way. Whether we want to or not, we can say, oh, I don't care about that. But most men, when you look at Kanye, Kanye has been dealing with situations with Kim Kardashian based on the fact that men see her as accessible. He always has to challenge who she's been with, this and that. Oh, I think she's cheating. It got much better over the years. But it it got much better because, no, it didn't because he started having breakdowns. He starts saying Drake was with her. They told about Van. Like they, they, he, they've equated everything. Meek was like he, he when he was having those breakdowns. Most of those breakdowns contained something about Kim being with another man and not being faithful to him. She's had those common conversations with every relationship she had because men viewed her as accessible, right? So we understand that it's it's dangerous to us. I don't want to deal. With nobody that when I'm in a room with my woman, men feel like they can approach her away because they she's made herself seem accessible. Now I got to deal with them. I got to deal with her. I got to question. Men don't want to deal that. They want men to look at their woman and respect her off rip and say, look, she's not easy. She's not nobody that when my man leaves the room, I can handle the number and have to deal with that, right? Because you put us in jeopardy. But do you realize that just because I date i've dated other men like one thing i've never heard and i know we're talking about lori to put context and to give a face and and some some actual texture to the conversation but i have not heard with the exception of maybe one situation which nobody is really 100 percent clear about that she was like with this guy that guy and this guy all at the same time it has been really clear no, there, to there me. There has been situations. I, I, I said there may have been one okay. situation. Other than that, I haven't seen that. I generally no, see it, it, no, a it, fresh it's been break. more than one. It was no. One. We're not going to talk. I'm about not going to say the names, but it was one individual that said it two times about two different people. Okay, but what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, it seems to me that there's been a fresh break. Right. That, you know, you see you see her and then it's like, okay, that's done. And now I'm doing whatever else. She's a young woman who's beautiful. Why does the fact that I met somebody else mean that I'm willing to take a man's number behind my man's back at an event? I just don't understand that. And I also think it's extremely problematic when we have these expectations. I mean, when you speak about how men have accepted a flaw about them, you say it in a way like it's it's okay. No, it's, it's not, not, o- not okay. But what I'm trying to say, well, that's the problem. But what I, it's like when we, like when I'm having a conversation with a woman, right? And there's a like I say this all the time, and it's not to justify anything. When women are dealing with men of a certain individual's a mind state, right? If I know that a man is a rapist, I've seen it. His I watch his whole demeanor, right? I'm saying this dude is a rapist, right? Mm-hmm. You do not deserve to be raped. Mm-hmm. You don't. There's no justification for a woman being raped. 
But if I'm explaining to you that that man is a rapist, don't go into the room with that man. And you make a decision and say, well, whether I go in a room with that man or not, he still shouldn't rape me. Right. And you're 100% correct about whether he should or shouldn't. But the reality is that that man is a rapist. But see, and I'm giving okay. you the information. So I'm glad you said that because you set it up for my point. Rather than policing me, tear the damn room apart and make the rapist have to hide. Well, that's you, been the that, that but that's is the, not true. That because, is the pro- no, that is the problem. Because, no, no. because there we're are not too gonna, many men. We're not going to sit there and watch you get raped. No, but I when you go that. in there, I'm going to go tear the thing up. But if you say I'm no, still going in. But that's not the point. You You're going in after the fact. When too many times we already know that the rapist is in our community, that the abuser lives next door, that the child molester is there, that the child molester has been coming to dinner. We already know that the dude that we're friends with, the guys know that the dude we're friends with has been choking his woman. We know it. And instead, what men do often, some men, too many men, is have conversations with the woman about what she needs to do and not do in order to protect herself from harm, rather than saying to the man, you can't even be around us. It's too many bitch-ass dudes not, that, that get to hang that's out. That's that, not realistic. Yes, yes, what do you mean Because it's not what I'm realistic. trying to say, I can't. What I'm explaining to you is I don't get to choose who you hang but around. But that's not what I'm right? talking about. And I don't get, so, no, what I'm trying to say, if I have a conversation, because he already knows I know he's a rapist. But, right? but that's so he not, not going to do it around But he me. doesn't feel uncomfortable. But he doesn't feel uncomfortable. He doesn't feel uncomfortable. You, what do you mean he doesn't he feel doesn't uncomfortable? He doesn't feel uncomfortable. You think, he gonna st- you think a rapist is going to stop raping because he feels uncomfortable? Oh, absolutely. That's oh, not true t- at Oh, all. absolutely. Because no way. Let, first of all, let me take you no to... No way. Let me take you to... Black households, mm-hmm. okay, where uncle so-and-so and cousin such-and-such are walking around every single day pre- uh, being predators on children well, and women. I, I've never been I, in I, but I'm trying to educate you. And I'm trying to educate you. Because that never happened I'm in my trying household. to educate you. There was no, no rapist to educate or you. abuser around that but, I was but, just but, comfortable with Okay, but I would argue that that's not 100% accurate. That, uh, you can't right? argue. I said that I know of. I okay, can't. maybe that you didn't okay. know of. But what I'm saying is, what I'm speaking to is another issue. Too many people that disrespect, abuse, and harm women are able to comfortably exist in spaces that they should not be able to, to be in. That's true. It's too many. But and what ends up happening is that little girls are being told that it's their responsibility to protect themselves from uncle so-and-so who's an abuser. And he's being allowed to still come to Thanksgiving dinner, Christmas holiday. He's still being allowed to function within the family. And the little girls or the little kids are the ones that are made to feel uncomfortable. And that, and I, 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 what I am saying, and I understand that I'm not, I'm, I'm talking over you, which is, you know, I get it, but, doing. but this is a passionate issue. It is, right? and I understand. What it. I'm saying because is because I face, I that, face it every day. That same attitude, that same exact attitude, is what allows a man like Boosie or anybody else to make the statement that we should be giving the credit to the men that are running through these beautiful girls. Okay, you want, you want to have a conversation about this? What? Because I want to have this conversation. Tory Lanez, Megan, right? For for two, three, four weeks straight, I was arguing. Woman, yeah, okay, you know, right. woman was in DM saying, why is Mike talking oh, about yeah. this? Woman was saying that. Woman was telling me I need to not say nothing, right? Mm-hmm. I was the only person by myself out there like, yo, why are y'all letting these... 
These cowards still move. The man shot a woman, this and that. Dude, woman was saying, Mice, maybe you just not say nothing about this. Just fall back. Just be quiet. So when you start, but it was so, overwhelmingly no, no. men uh, telling you no, that. No, it wasn't. Oh, yes, it was. No, it was. Don't you But dare. it doesn't matter the fact that any woman. But that's. But, but that but just, is a problem for me because when I'm when I'm standing up for women and women are telling me to be silent and maybe I should just be quiet. But it, but what you happens, tell me what what happens is you start to say to yourself, you know what. I'm just gonna be quiet. But guess what? Because I'm in this fight no, over. But see, let me tell you why I'm that's in this not fight right. By my... Let me tell you why that's why? not right. Because we go out here, right? We gotta keep the same energy. Uh -huh. We go outside every day. And when the white supremacists and the system in general and even other black people tell us, be quiet, sit down, stop talking so much, calm down, it's not that serious. Let's go on and get along. Stop. No, but but we don't. Yeah, so don't we? so we don't. Okay, we don't. But some, we don't. But some and we women still who stop. continue to make people feel feel uncomfortable and we don't well, care who, who tells us not who to do it and guess we? what when you think who about we, when you think about white supremacy i'm saying we as in people who do what we do some of our okay. people but okay. what i'm saying is what i'm saying is that even the ways in which we we understand how white supremacy and patriarchy and these very harmful practices exist people of color can uphold white supremacy exactly. right so that doesn't make it right. Not that you said it does. I'm just saying it doesn't make it right. And of course, you're going to find black people, black women, women in general who run to the defense of the abuser. I'm still making a different point. What is I'm point? saying that there are too many people who too many men who spend time focused on what women need to do so that they don't get abused, they don't get harmed, and not enough time making the cowards, the punks, and the bitch asses feel uncomfortable being in any but, space but with agree. their behavior. I just don't agree with that. I just right. think for me, right, if, I, if I'm telling you it's cars in the streets, cars ain't going to stop driving the streets because... I say, hey, yo, y'all should stop driving. But somebody needs to give that car that goes by too fast uh -huh. a ticket. Well, yeah, but only one. But it, it ain't gonna stop it from driving, though, right? So if you, if I'm telling you, don't walk in the road where the cars is driving because they're gonna and drive fast. And put them in jail. But the bottom line, mm -hmm. they might go to jail, but the, it's still gonna be more cars. So if I'm preparing you for the fact that cars are always gonna drive down the streets, rapists are always gonna rape. Abusers are gonna well, always go. do some more work on them. But you can't do an 80 20. You know, what I'm I need an 80 20. It's the 80 20 for me. But the 80 20 don't work. Yeah. Because, well, no, that's because, because it's never a been sucker tried. is gonna always be a sucker. You can't out, you can't scare, you can't shame a sucker. They move in a sucker mentality, move in a sucker's move. So if I'm telling you, to, if I'm teaching you how to suck a duck, duck. What's the streets talking about yeah. today? I bet. I bet you want to know. No, the it's, it's not. About. It's not so much. I mean, I could talk about this all day. No, 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 no. Let's go with the streets. The streets about. are talking about black women-owned businesses. We're going to be doing that. Well, we're going to cover black women-owned businesses for the entire month of March. Yes. Um, but beyond that, we'll be talking about all different types of small businesses. Um, and we're highlighting one today, which is special because because it's yeah, our friend. It's <laughs> that's our theme. It's our She's friend. our friend. She's our friend. She's our sister. <laughs> yes, yes. Yandy Smith Harris's Yell uh, skincare line. It's not just for women. It's not because look, you. I got a commercial. With you me. sure you do. Get alive, you sure you know, do. You see this skin. This skin right here. This is flawless. That Yell you know skincare. So, definitely. Yes. Yeah, so we're going to be highlighting Yell skincare today. Want you to watch this video where Yandy explains um, her product and it's growing so much. I'm, it I'm is. so proud.
out of the business that they've been and doing. And it's a real family-owned It's business. a family-owned Even the little kids. The even kids, little Skylar like boxing home, up. She got a whole family there. They boxing. They mailing it out. Like yeah. it's it's a real it's a real business. Yeah. And it's like assembly line. Man. Yeah, that really. that brick and mortar uh action in order to get your product out there is what's real it's real. Like you could pay a factory, you can do all of that, but you don't know if your product is going out right. You can't put your hand, you touch it, feel it, and make sure that it's coming from your hands, your love into the homes of others. Um, especially with something like a skincare line. So, yes. Yell Skincare, Yandy Smith-Harris. Yan Yan, do your thing, girl. I am so incredibly excited. I'm going to tell you all about Yell Skincare, all of the benefits, and why you need this in your medicine cabinet. So, first is our cleanser. Our cleanser is an anti-inflammatory, it's an antifungal, and it's also, it has fatty acids that possess antimicrobial properties that treat acne. We have toner. Now, I love this toner. So we didn't add any extra scent to any of this, but the toner, oh my gosh. I wish you could smell this. It smells like you are walking into a spa. So now the serums. The serums have a really high concentrated amount of hyaluronic acid and all the amazing vitamins that you need. Vitamin C, vitamin E. We have one that is for oily skin, the brightening serum for oily skin. What happens is it subdues the gland that's overproducing oil and it really helps to mattify your skin all day long. You drip about three drops on your face and it'll last 24 hours. I'm telling you, I love it. Next, we have our peptide boosting serum for normal skin. It really helps to keep your skin balanced, but it brightens your skin and it is amazing. It helps you to have this like highlighted look as if you have highlighter on. I love it. It gives my skin a natural glow. So this is my hydrating serum for dry skin. It helps your cells retain moisture that your skin needs to really keep it soft and not dry and not flaky. When I created this skin line, one of my problems was I used to get a peely residue around my nose. I hated it. The next thing is eye cream. It's called the Adream Eye Cream, which I absolutely love because this has a great mixture of collagen and caffeine. So what that's going to do is help to depuff. It's also going to brighten this area. I don't know if any of you are like me with dark circles around your eyes. I used to have really bad eyes. They would call me raccoon eyes sometimes. So this really helped to get rid of the dark spots around my eyes. It brightened, but then it also lifts. So when you put it on right before you go out, you tie it, you have bags, this will really give you that open eye, bright look. The last but certainly not least is the moisturizer. So I think with this moisturizer, we work the hardest to perfect. So I wanted to make sure this was a water-based moisturizer. So it's really, really light, but it makes your skin feel so soft and moist and supple. It's amazing. You have got to try it. But what you want to do is make sure when the world opens back up, you show a brand new, beautiful skin you, okay? You don't have to walk around with skin that is not to your liking. Work on it. Be consistent every day. For those that have really trouble spots, twice a day, in the morning and in the evening. But you want to absolutely make sure before you put your head on your pillow, you are washing all of those toxins off. And you want to tone and at least moisturize. But I would suggest do the full system at least once a day. And that's you.
Yeah. Make sure you go get some of that. If you like, you want your skin to look like mine, <laughs> flawless. You know what I'm saying? Go and get you some Yale, man. Shout out to Yandy. Shout out to the whole Smith family. You the know? old Smith Harris Smith, family. Because the Harris. Harrises work hard. Shout out to Mendeecees because he over there running the poor, tight poor ship Mendeecees. over there too. Yeah, they out there. <laughs> my boy, listen, my boy out there working, man. Salute to Mendeecees who continue, you know, to. He just came home and he's on a path. He's building entrepreneurship. And you know, I'm proud of him, man. Yep. So that is our small business, black woman owned business segment. Uh, Again, Yell Skincare. Yell. Before we go to the next segment and have our special guest join, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Are you all about the NBA action? You got to try Pick Six, the newest fantasy app from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers can earn a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 in Pick 6 credits when you deposit $5 or more. Getting started is simple. Just download the DraftKings Pick 6 app and sign up with code TBE. Pick at least two players and choose if they'll have more or less of a stat. Like, will they score more or less than 30 points or have more or less than eight assists? Lock them in and compete against others for a shot at huge cash prizes. Download the DraftKings Pick 6 app now and get started with code TBE. New customers can earn a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 in Pick 6 credits when you deposit $5 or more. Only on DraftKings Pick 6 with code TBE. The crown is yours. One offer per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit to receive a match of up to $100 in Pick 6 credits. Non-withdrawable and valid for Pick 6 use only. Expire after 180 days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick 6 states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. you know some guests that come on we say are our friends but there are others who are actually our mentors and our leaders yes and there are today um i am incredibly honored to have joining us for street politicians you know this, this show is not new to us because we've been doing it for a while and we're number one and we're we're, we're number one in my son's head we're number one and his heart and i support that 100 yeah, percent. we're number one and whenever you're doing a new thing people always try to wait you know, to to come to get involved until everybody puts their stamp of approval. But the man that we have on today is the stamp of approval. That's right. This is the stamp. We good now. The only person that can rap, outrap me. <laughs> the the big dog, the you know, the the leader of so many intellectual, um, keeps connected to the ground. 
as you said, he can spit lyrics better than most Ooh, people I know. Um, has used hip hop and culture and the grassroots fight as a means to educate many. And people, some people don't know that he's actually reverend, right? Like he actually, he's a he's a preacher, man. Okay, yes, they be having him up, a man of the cloth, a man of the cloth. And that is Michael Eric Dyson. Yes, I'm sir. so glad. And we call him Doc. So glad Doc. to have you with us today, Doc. Thank you for joining us on Street Politicians. I mean, I am honored to be here. Two of my favorite people, my daughter, my sweetie pie, my baby, my leader. When people ask me, Amen. You know, who are the young I say, Tamika Mallory, dog. So what's she doing? That's what I'm doing. Reverend Al Sharpton, that's my man. Tamika Mallory yeah. is a leader. My son on the streets checking people, chin-checking in a rhetorical fashion, and making sure that we bear witness to the integrity of our manhood. So these two young people right here, I follow them. These are my leaders, and I love y'all. I'm humbled by that, man. Just, you know, just what you mean to this movement, what you mean to us as black people. Like, we we here with a living, not just a legend, just a historian, someone who has historian, connected yeah. the culture. Like, you know... Being an elder, being someone that considered elder, even though you still have that youthful bounce with you, you know, and being <laughs> able to take hip hop, you know, and connect it to this movement, and seeing the need to do that is one of the things that got me into this movement. Just be seeing brothers like yourself saying, "Damn, hip hop can be a part of the civil rights organization. It is a, a place for that. It is a place for me." You know, when you can rap Jay Z lyrics and Tupac lyrics and Biggie lyrics, and then connect it to this fight. It made me feel like I really had a place in this. So, you know, I just want to say oh, I appreciate that, King. Much love to you, my friend. I appreciate you. Love y'all for what y'all doing. And that's why I'm honored to be on the show today. Yeah. So it's the first week of Women's History Month. And, of course, we have to shout out your uh, co-pilot, your co-leader, uh, Marcia Dyson, who yes. uh, is an incredible leader in her own right and certainly has been um, in the trenches with me through some of the most challenging times in my life, um, you know, we're, we're, we have to edify black women, right? Mm -hmm. We know black Absolutely. women are always under attack, but we're also the foundation of so much. And I watch her work for and with you, um, mm -hmm. you know, and so we want to give her love. But you also have so many of us. Uh, that honor you, that follow you, that learn from you, from Angela Rye to Janae Ingram, of course, you know, myself and so many others. Why is it that you take so much of a special interest in building the leadership of black women? Well, thank you so much for that. First of all, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't be in his right mind uh, to want to have anything to do with an extraordinary figure like you or an Angela Rye uh, or a Janae Ingram and so many others? Uh, that we've had the privilege of engaging with. You're extraordinary, you're brilliant, you're beautiful, you're insightful, you're soulful, you're down to earth. And that's why I love you in particular, uh, since we're talking today. <clears throat> My wife, Marcia, is from the, the south side of Chicago. She is mm -hmm. a straight up south side Chicago yes, woman from the hood. Right. And, and, and for real though. <laughs> and understanding what that means. I mean, they were so poor when they were young, they would wrap up stuff that the other one wanted. Like, you like my shirt, I like your sweater. They would wrap it up and give it to each other. They would sell stuff on the street, you know, that it was legal. And mm -hmm. they did all kind of stuff that, that, that poor people do 
but they were rich in spirit and rich in understanding. And when I first went to teach at Chicago Theological Seminary back in 1989, I don't even know if y'all were born back then, and yeah. she came to my class, and I was like, man, she's smarter than my students. Like, this, she was just so brilliant and still is today, but devoted and mm. committed. And when I think about a young woman like you on the front lines, uh, risking everything, as radiant, as brilliant uh, as a leader can be, and you're out there with the people. You ain't fronting, you ain't posting up, you ain't posturing. But what I love about you is that you got, uh, in the best sense of that word, the hood and the street on lock. That's still part of who you are. That's an integral part of what your identity is. And you ain't trying to leave that behind. Mm -hmm. Just like my man, my son. What I love about both of y'all is that you take special uh, privilege and priority to put that at the top of the hierarchy, that those people that other people throw away, Absolutely. those people that other people diss, those people that other people think, oh, they dumb and they are unintelligent or they are un, you know, uninspiring. Y'all see the beauty and power in them. And for you, Tamika Mallory, to be our leader, uh, for you to continue to speak out, to be as intelligent and as fiery, an oratorical genius, a rhetorical master, and yet a down-to-earth woman looking like a fashion model, swinging like a boxer. I love that combination and the acceptance of every part of who you are. And I, I believe that we have to uplift black women. I got kicked out of a church in 1983. Mm. I was a young pastor. I'd already got kicked out of school with the white folk because I asked them, why didn't we have more black speakers? They said, based upon your numbers of students here, you don't deserve more. So I said, later for that, I started skipping uh, chapel, and then you have to go to chapel every Tuesday. When you didn't go, they kicked you out. Got kicked out of school. Went to pastor a black church. For one year, I taught, because I ain't stupid. You got to go in. You got to figure out the lay of the land. Right. So I wanted to ordain three women as deacons in 83, 1983. I said, we fighting racism. Let's fight sexism as well. They mm. were down. That's cool. Right before I was going to ordain these women, some local Negro uh, Baptist preachers got wind of it organized my members, and I went to church one Sunday, and they put me out of that pulpit. I had a wife and a child mm. to support. They gave me one month severance pay and kicked me out for trying to ordain women. So from the very beginning, mm. it's been more than mouth with me. It's more than rhetoric with me. It's trying to live my life in a way to justify understanding the power and the beauty of black women. And let's be real. I said, I'll leave the black church wherever the black women go. Because black women are, what, 75 to 80% of the black church? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm saying where they going, that's where I'm going. They do the work. They do all the, the insightful stuff. It's like spiritual apartheid. We didn't accept it when Nelson Mandela and his people were 75% of the population. White folk, 25%, but they running stuff. Right. I love black men. I support black men. I want to work with black men to help them out to get a better sense of who we are. But we cannot do that at the expense of black women. Who, who speak out for us more than anybody else. Mm -hmm. I have seen you speak out more for black men, mm -hmm. defend black men, stand up and elevate black men than a whole lot of brothers have ever done. So I expect in return, that's why that soldier sat, sit, sitting next to you, brother, my son, standing there with a strong black woman, he doesn't feel defeated or in any way diminished mm -hmm. because he's standing next to an intellectual and spiritual giant. That doesn't diminish me as a man to acknowledge our women. And we have to elevate them. We have to lift them up. We have to acknowledge their genius, their support. And that's going from the beginning of time down to now. That's back in Africa. That's on the slave ship. 
That's with Ella Baker, Joanne Robinson, right. Dr. McClark, Joanne Robinson, Angela Davis, down to Tamika Mallory, and the young women who continue to give sacrifice and to give uh, devotion to our people. Such a beautiful name. Now I don't know what I you're going to ask. You, I can't. Right? What Lord you have mercy, Doc. Like, you know, it's like a sermon, man. Like listening to all you the time. all the time, man. I'm just amazed that the way that you're able to just captivate people and say things in such an eloquent yet down to earth way. Like I'm, I'm getting there. I'm learning. I'm, I'm you know, I'm a still few oh, you, of your you, tricks. You, you, bad boy, you man. know, you're bad. I've been in meetings with you, brother. Yeah. I didn't see you throw down. I'm, I'm I learning. Didn't see you throw down. I'm learning. <laughs> Speaking, no of, okay, go, go, myself. No, but I just wanted question. to ask. You know, as we edify women and we uplift them, and right now I seem like they are definitely Tamika. You know, you talk about uh, our first black um, VP woman. They are leading us right now. Do you feel like we are in a moment? in this climate that we can actually see some change. Yeah, that's a great point. And thank you for acknowledging that. I mean, for you, a young, handsome, articulate man, for you to acknowledge that makes a big difference because people know your street cred, they know you real, they know your bona fides, they know you ain't faking it, right? When you posting up on the internet, when you see some idiot who has attacked a black woman, I can feel the trauma, mm -hmm. I can feel the pain because I feel the same thing. But to know that you as a younger generation soldier feel that and leader, uh, I appreciate that. Yes, they are the best leaders. They get most stuff done with l with less resources. They have more creative imagination. Now, we ain't trying to idolize to the point that we know that some women can disagree with other women. Right, so we, of course. It's not just because they're women, but it's because they use what they've learned as women whose backs have been against the wall. You know, look at, look at Tamika Mallory raising a child by yourself figuring out how to do something with your life, dealing with both the acceptance and the rejection, and then coming back to a higher pitch, mm -hmm. a higher place, a higher perch, because you've been obedient to a higher power. Who cannot but help follow that kind of leadership? So yeah, I think women being in place will elevate us. You talk about Vice President Harris. Look at that woman. Mm -hmm. I mean, whether you agree with her intellectually or ideologically, the point is she's on her job. She's done her stuff. And Joe Biden put her in position to really potentially become the first female president Absolutely. of the United States of America. Absolutely. So I think it's extremely important for us to support women of all kinds, of all stripes, of all ideologies. Ayanna Presley, Corey Bush. Yeah. Uh, and, and politically speaking, on the front line, and people like Tamika Mallory on the front line who are doing the unsexy work, hmm. hanging out in Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, you might see the camera every now and again and what she's doing. What you don't see is the everyday ordinary stuff, yes, the sir. organizing, the generating, the galvanizing. That's what women are used to doing without recognition, and we should pay them the honor and the reverence of our recognition. Thank yes, you, Doc. Sir. You know, um, you all, you always, as my son said, you can say it a way that no one else can. And it's two things I want to cover. Mm -hmm. Well, let's just talk about this idea of perfection, right? right? Because so many of us are up against that, trying to be perfect and worrying about what the people have to say. And right. this idea that we can't make mistakes, that we're not going to have personal lives that could be in shambles one right. week. Um, and, and still be a leader at the same time. And, and, and that reminds me, my second point is, and how you tie these two things together, we've talked about being on those conference calls together, and at times we don't agree. 
right? I'm, we don't agree. We have different right. perspectives and we have to right. get into it. I remember the last call we was on, Angela Rye and I were on one side of the conversation and you know, and you were with us and then we found common ground. There's a right. problem with that within our movement. It's two totally different topics, but we have such short time. I'd love right. for you to hit on how we cannot agree and still work together. And also right. this idea of trying to be perfect. Yeah, that's and they're tied together. Because look, um, the, the great theologian Grace Jones said, I may not be perfect, but I'm perfect for you. Mm. See, it's, it's contingent, right? Perfection is about the right relationship with a person or an idea. It don't mean you're imp that you're pure. It doesn't mean that you don't have any flaws. When I say you perfect for me, I don't mean you perfect in every sense of the word. I'm saying our yin and yang, mm. our get together is so powerful that it creates something together that's even more powerful than us apart. You know, like Fabulous and them was singing, I'm, I'm a force by myself, but when we together, mm. we on another level. And so when we talk about perfection, it is the, you know, as how they say, don't let perfection be the enemy of the good. Mm -hmm. The thing is, is that, you know, none of us can strive for perfection. That's why it's important to tell the truth about our leaders, mm -hmm. right? So Martin Luther King Jr. was not perfect. And when that stuff comes out on him in about, what, 2028? <laughs> and when I wrote my book, I caught a lot of flack and hell from Negroes because I was talking about, you know, the, the thing and the thing and with the women, you yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> and the plagiarism. I said, oh, you think that's something? And I, I said, after all that, I wrote all that in the book because I did my research. And I'm going to tell you one of the greatest compliments I was paid. It was Dorothy, the late, great uh, Sister Dorothy, who told me. Dorothy Cotton. Cotton. Dorothy Cotton, baby. Dorothy, Dorothy Cotton. Cotton, that's right. I met with her up in uh, upstate New York because I went there to teach for three or four days at some local school there and had dinner with her. It was one of the greatest events of my life because I revered her, and she said, you have got this so right. And the thing is this. <laughs> she said you was telling the truth, Doc, no, she, that she the stuff happened. <laughs> she said, boy, boy, was you on the wall? I was like, I dug deep, baby. I dug deep up in that piece. But here's the point. The point was to say not to dog Dr. King, because I still think of him as the greatest American who ever lived. Yes, Bar sir. none. I don't care. Put him up yeah. against anybody. He that cold. Yeah. But he wasn't perfect. Yes, but the reason, the reason I wanted to deconstruct his perfection, because then they use Dr. King against young brothers and sisters who are quote, quote, imperfect and say, well, Dr. King, well, he wasn't perfect. Right. So to make them perfect right. if he wasn't perfect. Malcolm wasn't perfect. Yes, Malcolm was a stone-cold soldier, but Malcolm wasn't perfect. His relationship with his wife, King's relationship with his wife, it was complicated. So the point is this, that we do not have to be perfect to be useful. We do not have to be perfect to be useful. And when I wrote that uh, in defense of Reverend Jesse Jackson in the New York Times, when it was revealed about his child out of wedlock, there are a lot more brothers who could be exposed the same way who ain't going to have the truth told on them. So that's it. Tell Perfect. the truth about our leaders. That's right. Tell the truth in love. Mm -hmm. But see, that's why I hate cancel culture. Mm -hmm. The reason I hate cancel culture is the point you were making earlier and to link this to we can disagree without trying to cancel each other. Mm -hmm. well, cancel culture is a white supremacist notion. Yeah. Zero tolerance is not a progressive idea. Mm -hmm. It's a right-wing idea. And they tried to use that to kill Negroes. The moment you mess up one time, you're done. You mess up in school, out. You mess up on your job, fired. That is not what we as a people do. We believe in redemption, second chances. People make a mistake. So if somebody asks me, how could you write a book on Jay-Z? 
Uh, I said, first of all, he's a rhetorical genius. Mm-hmm. I said, uh, you know, when he says stuff like Bin Laden been happening in Manhattan back then, back when the police was al-Qaeda to black men. I said, do you know the rhetorical inventiveness mm-hmm. that that takes? If he existed during the Greek times, they'd call him a rhetorical god. Mm-hmm. I said, well, you're asking me, how could I defend a man who sold drugs? I defend a nation that sold people. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? Ooh. I talk about leaders who sold Ooh. human beings. Mm-hmm. And you talking about some dude who sold some crack on the corner? Stop it. So for me, I believe that we have to understand that our leaders will not be perfect, that we can disagree. And we had a vigorous disagreement. You and Anza Rye was beating me down. Like, oh, my God. I was like, I told Jay, I said, they're killing me. He was laughing. He was saying, they are, he said, but they bad. I said, they're killing me, dog. They are killing me up in here. But the thing is that we can agree to disagree. We can have a different opinion. And we don't have to cancel each other out. Mm. We don't have to say, oh, Dr. King doesn't agree with Malcolm. Malcolm doesn't agree with Elijah Muhammad. Elijah Muhammad doesn't agree with Marcus Garvey. Marcus Garvey didn't agree with Ida B. Wells. Ida B. Wells didn't agree with W.B. Du Bois. That is the beauty of our diversity. is not with whoever. Let's allow each other to say, you know what? I disagree with you, but you don't have to be a sellout, a handkerchief head. You don't have to be a person who's not germane to our story. Now, I'm not saying there ain't some people who are so heinous right. in their disregard for black people. I'm not mentioning Daniel Cameron's name, but what I'm <laughs> saying to you, I don't want to talk about uh, you know, Clarence Thomas, but what I'm saying to you <laughs> is that there are some people who are so fundamentally opposed right. to our progress that their names alone evoke a Rihanna That's response. Right. But, right. You know what she said uh, to him on Twitter. So my point is, yes, we should <laughs> love and embrace each other, tolerate difference, go at it, and at the end of the day, we on the same team. You know, the L.A. Lakers might be up against the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, but they all in the NBA. Mm. We all in this struggle together, and we should accept and love each other for that. Well, we, we ain't got nothing else to say after that. Mm-hmm. We can end the show now. We don't need nothing else. The Listen, whole show. Once, once again, man, we want to say that we appreciate you. We want to give you your flowers as one of probably one of the most greatest orators and teachers, teachers. of our time yeah. man. and and continue to just motivate you know brothers like myself every time i hear you speak and every time i hear you just connect this culture to this movement man is is definitely motivating so i, yeah, I want to say front, thank though. you don't act like sometimes you don't be like I, get i need dyson's number cuz i don't agree with that no, sometimes it. <laughs> no, I don't listen to me. I tell people all the time. I don't agree with nobody a hundred percent of the time. That's right. That's no, that's right. The, I don't agree with myself hundred percent. Exactly. That's and if you right. do that, like, there's no way to that. But yeah. I'm saying most of the times, you know, even the things that you don't agree, I don't agree with the way you put it. Yeah. It makes me have to challenge myself and say, okay, I don't agree with it, but let me figure out how I got to come back at it to say I don't agree that make it make sense because you can say something I don't agree with so good that it make me forget that I didn't agree with. <laughs> but see, but that's beautiful because then, because give him my number so he can call me, then when you call me and I go, you know, I hadn't thought about it. I that. hadn't Let thought about that. it that way. Quick example. So I was, I was uh, when the Jay and Nas stuff first went down, I was a Nas man riding with yeah. him and so on because I knew him. And, and respected him, right? And so I'm 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 in a bookstore in Atlanta. Killer Mike is sitting in the back of the room, and Killer Mike goes, "Doc," he says, "You have been one of the greatest leaders in hip hop culture, telling us to be open minded, but it don't seem this time you open minded to Jay." Mm. And I had to check myself, and I went back and I studied, and a couple other people checked me, 
And I went back and I said, well, God dang, this dude is a rhetorical genius. Mm. So I can admit that. So we all need to be yeah. checked. And Killer, Killer Mike and I go at it all the time. So listen, but that, I understand that. But it makes us, it makes us all stronger. And I have to yes, say, even does. though we are, we we need to ask you about your book, um, right. so that you could talk about that real quick. But um, this space, a lot of people think that Jay Z called us to the table to help him with his projects and what he's trying to do, and that we just went there and started saying yes, sir, yes, sir, and happy to be at the table. And that's not true. We have some all. of the deepest debates in those meetings that's and right. conversations, and we yeah, push them that. all the time. And I and I love being yeah. in the space because I come out feeling stronger, bolder, and smarter. Right, and I can testify. She challenging me. She challenging Jay. She challenging anybody up in that space, you know, unapologetically, which is what it should be. Because if we are producing, quote, children, younger generation, you ain't there to be an echo. We love you. We support you. What you agree with, like Brother My Son said, you, you deal with that. But if you disagree, just do it with love and respect. That's, That's all right. I'm asking. I'm on the Internet and people do, I'm like, Negro, you don't even know me. Right. At me like you snarky, you nasty. If you just ask me, challenge me, and then say, "Look, I disagree with you." That's cool. My wife be disagreeing with me. We could have a show. My wife be coming at me, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't no doubt about that. So, so I'm used to that all the time. We so. gotta go, Doc. Tell us your your latest book. I don't know how. Right. Listen, this writing process was so hard for me uh, to finish this book. Uh, 270 pages or something like that, State of Emergency. It's done. Uh, I'm in the, the last pass of reading through it to make sure all the things are right. It's in the editing process. Um, well, actually, we're beyond that. I mean, I've got my flaps back and the covers and everything. The book is coming out. It was the editing process was really hard, Doc. I never thought that I wrote the. I kept critiquing it and feeling like I didn't say the right thing or I didn't say enough. And where should I go back and expand? And 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 Angela Davis told me when you ha when you write a book, you gotta write it, believe in it, put it in the world, and let them have it. So what's your latest book that you? That's true. No, she's giving you the and you got Angela Davis and Cardi, Cardi B. Right, your introduction. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna try not to be mad at you. But uh, so look, my latest book is called "Long Time Coming: Reckoning with Race in America." Book number, I don't know, twenty two, twenty three. I'm working on another one now that I'm turning in in a month. So mm. I'm on my game. I'm on my grind. Like what Jay doing? Like what Nas doing? That's what I do. Mm. Like you know, Lauren Hill. That's what I'm on. And I do my stuff, and I do it at the highest level. So that book is about writing five letters, basically, well, seven letters, really. Uh, to martyrs of the movement, recently arrived ancestors for the most part, with the exception of Emmett Till, tried to share my beliefs with Elijah McClain, Breonna Taylor, wow. Sandra Bland, Clemente Pinckney, Hadia Pendleton, wow. Eric Garner. And to see, you know how you go to the graveyard, they ain't there, but they allow you a space of talking to them. I didn't mm. want to talk about them. I wanted to speak to them. Wow. And deal with them and then talk about the issues we're confronting. So that's the latest book. Y'all check it out after you read, you know, Tamika Mallory. <laughs> State of Emergency, May 11. Yes, Thank State you, Doc. Emergency. Thank y'all so very you, much. Man. Love y'all. Love y'all both. Thank you. Yes, sir. We have you back soon. Love you. Look forward to it. Love you too. 
Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Eric Dyson is Woo. like the goat. The goat. The goat. And I mean, and it's so true. Like we don't, we don't always agree. When we get to the table, you know, after some folks know, other people don't. After um, Jay Z's uh, relationship with the NFL was formed, um, and it was a lot of controversy around it, and and I was critical. You were trying to understand. You know, maybe Jay's got another move. I think you're since you know him. Um, from it was just a lot of young. things. Yeah, it's, it it's not a, so much. It wasn't just so much knowing Jay. It was just knowing the whole situation. Yeah, you know, but you know too much. Yeah, that's so the that's problem. So just forget that part. Leave that you, part. You, you, you know too much. That's what they say. My pastor always says that sometimes some of us can know too much about the history of things, and it and it, it shades it it not shades, but it 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 shapes our judgment. But but really, you kept saying, "I know Jay, and I know he got to have a move. He's got to have a move." Um, and I'm not sure that he knew all of what he was trying to accomplish, but he knew that he had the ear of a major force that had the ability to help us shape. Um, I want to say shape culture, but I'm not going to give the NFL that type of credit. But we are using that platform to do things like having during the halftime shows and, and also just uh, uh, during the games in general, putting videos out there that are like PSAs that literally cover the stories of some of our fallen victims, but it's from, it's with our language. So the videos are not out there, you know, soft and, 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 uh, and, and, you yeah, know, and, and, we pushing and, back and, all and, the time, like, nah, and we politically need you to say, correct. We need you to say this. Yes. We, we change you know, the we, videos and they respect us enough to listen to us. Yeah. You know, and that's our job. Like for me, you always going to get criticism. It's people that armchair critics with no credentials who don't do anything, who tell us what we need to be doing or say somebody's not doing. You know, for me, it's just being in the space and being intentional about making change. Like, if you're intentional about making change, if you understand what it takes to make change, then you de- you deserve an opportunity to make change. Yeah, no, know? yeah, and 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 I don't want to make people because you know they'll say PSAs. That's it. No, there's he's helping to fund 
uh, some of the movements, or some of the organizations that women and mothers are leading, some of the groups that are doing grassroots work, um, also paying for campaigns, getting behind, uh, you know, whenever something like Parchment Prison happened, they're taking out full page ads. Like, I don't think people know how much money it costs to get a full page in the Washington Post or the New York Times to write a letter that is signed by Tamika Palmer on behalf of Breonna Taylor or others and to put that information out there, supporting the attorneys who are doing this work that need support in terms of having other uh, attorneys to do research. I mean, there's so much that is shaping up and now we're in this these conversations about policy and how we can organize uh, artists and activists and parents and victims and others to, to push some of the policy agenda items that have been out there for too long, but we knew we would not be able to move them under the last administration. So now it's time to push here and the marketing campaigns and all of that. It's a lot. It's a lot that goes into it. Mm. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm proud to be a part of the team, but I also have to always say that we don't just sit at the table and go along to get along because we're starstruck to sit with Jay-Z. That's not how it happens. You have voices like Charlemagne's, you know, like Ebony Williams, like, you know, I mean, the list goes on. The list goes on. That we, you know, we come in, Lee Merritt and others, and we like, we don't like none of this, you yeah, know. Y'all going to have to add some more. <laughs> or, we need a little more radicalism. Right. Or, you know, y'all got it. You on point, and, you know, we can move on to the next thing. So, you know. It's a think tank of, of people that, you know, we respect in all, all different aspects of the movement and just black people in general think, you know, thinkers, thought leaders yeah. and just movers and shakers, man. And that's what it's going to take. It's, it takes, when I think about history and just imagine if all of our scholars and, and movement people actually sat down and came together as a collective, you know? So, yeah. Come so on that, together, and that's what we're trying to do. That's right. And, and, and that's, and Charlemagne's commentary is always, always free black man-ish. That's right. Like, you know, he's the free black man. That, that's how I'm on it. I don't care. You know, I'm going to always say the thing that creates the, the spark. That's what you do. Yeah. But anyway, Michael Eric Dyson is, Michael is King, King Doc, Dyson. Doc, Doc, Doc. is what they call him. Now we have our change maker segment, my favorite yes. segment. Your favorite it's segment. My favorite change segment. Makers. And this young lady is a favorite of so many. Um, she was one of the leaders of uh, Black Lives Matter in New York City. But um, this young lady is all over the country doing such incredible work yes, and, she is. and really connecting with people on a deep level. When I first met her, I was. You know, I was always impressed because she's smart and she speaks well. But after listening to her story of where she comes from, I understood why she is uh, acknowledged and, and sort of um, revered as such a leader and so powerful because she's been through a lot in her personal life, has dealt with homelessness, has dealt with just so much. Yeah. Um, and I won't tell her story for her. And yet, still, she's on the battlefield, a front frontline organizer who's incredibly strategic and also a scholar. Um, and I'm proud to have Nupal to join us today. And, you know, Nupal is a no-nonsense person. This right? is true. So, so she doesn't play games. 
So when when you when you when you're talking to New Paul, you don't know if you're gonna get cussed out or loved up on. But whatever it is, like you always say, it's gonna be, it's gonna authentic. be authentic. So I want to bring New Paul Kiazulu. Did I say it right, New Paul? You were close, Kiazulu. Kiazulu. To to be with us today as yeah. our change maker spotlight. What's going on, sis? Hey guys, I'm so happy to be here. I missed you guys like so much. So it was so good to see like your beautiful faces. I'm so happy. Oh, yeah, adorable. She's such an adorable. She ran up on me in um Louisville in the square, and she was like, "I know you don't, you know me, but we've met a couple of times." And I was looking, I'm like, "I do know you." And then she just started talking to me, and you could just, you can just feel her spirit was so pure. And she's just such a genuine, very smart young lady. And I'm yeah, just very happy smart. to have you here, Queen. So tell us, it's it's Women's History Month, and you are certainly a woman. Um, talk of what's yes. going on. What are you into? You're, I think you are. You have stepped aside in your role as being uh, the head of, of BLM New York, and you're doing some other things. You're also in school. Talk talk to us about your daily experiences and what happens in the life of new paul every single day so i did resign as the president of black lives matter greater new york so i am an independent activist and organizer right now um but nonetheless like i tell people all the time that the movement does not reside within a title or organization the movement is within us just because i resigned from that position does not mean that my work as an organizer has stopped if anything, it has increased. Like, you know, I'm constantly on the go. I'm constantly moving, working with different families and I'm just continuing this work as an organizer because it's what I do, it's what I know and it's what I love. What would you say is the specific field of interest? Like, you know, when we talk about the movement, there's a lot of things. There's gun violence, there's, you know, women's issues, you know, black men, all of that. So what would you say is your specific expertise in? Um, so civil rights is what many people around the world know me for, and that's one of my expertises. I also am an advocate for sexual and domestic violence survivors because I'm a survivor of myself and homelessness. Um, so everything that I advocate for are things that I've experienced personally mm-hmm. and that I can speak to. Um, and concerning like the sexual violence and the homelessness, um, those were things that I used to be afraid to speak about because of the stigma surrounding survivors of domestic and sexual violence and also homelessness. But then when I was like 17, I just came to a point where it's like, if I don't tell my story, somebody else will. Right. I know that my testimony can help save someone else's life because when I listen to other survivors' testimonies, that's what helped me change and save my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just became unapologetic in my path and who I am as a young person and how I show up in this world. And, you know, by the grace of God, I'm here. I'm standing despite all obstacles thrown against me. And I love what I do. Like, literally, why I'm alive is because of activism and just serving people and really being in this like i was in this shit yeah i don't know if i can cuss on here but um yeah like i was in this movement before it was sexy and popular and trendy like i feel like i'm aging myself but i've been doing this for eight and a half years like since i was 12 years old Mm -hmm. um so like just seeing how this movement has shifted and people coming in and out 
it's definitely been an experience and um I for one can say like you know I came in here because of Trayvon Martin that's how I started off I committed my life to the movement at 13 I've always had pure intentions and um you know I'm here today so listening to you you're so driven and serious and you have you're so young with the old soul like how do you balance this youthfulness because when you go to your your you know your Instagram page you see this young girl she's fly you know you pose and you having a good thing and then you go and you also see the connection with the civil rights and you see all these things how do you balance your youthfulness with the seriousness of civil rights i would say um it definitely goes back to owning my truth and controlling my narrative because Oftentimes, activists are portrayed as these stoic figures that are serious all the time, and they're like robots that don't have fun. And I'm like, I'm 20 years old, first right. and foremost. Like, I'm a young person. I will make mistakes. I am not perfect. I've never portrayed myself to be perfect. I'm an open book. So, like, you know, staying true to who I am and walking in my path is the first and most important thing to me while I'm navigating throughout life as an activist and a young person and everything that comes in between that. Um, and I encourage well, anybody that wants to get in the movement, like, you can be an activist and still pursue things outside of activism that make you happy. Mm -hmm. Like, I really want people to understand that. Like, if you want to go to a party with your friends, you can go to a party with your friends. Do whatever makes you feel happy. Like, I love pageantry. And I've always been interested in pageantry. I grew up watching toddlers and tiaras. I finally took the bold step in 2019 to compete in a pageant, Miss Liberia. That was my first pageant. I had no type of experience before that, no coach, no nothing. I went up there and I was myself and I won. So I'm like, I'm still the reigning Miss Liberia USA. And like, I, I say that because I just want people to understand that you can still pursue your dreams mm -hmm. and have fun and be yourself and be an activist. It won't take anything away from the work that you do on the front lines or behind the scenes or however you show up in the movement. So what, what are some of the critical issues that you're on right now? Some of the things that you're fighting for? And I guess um, that ties into what you expect to see from the Biden-Harris administration. Um, so some of the critical issues I'm fighting for right now um, is the allocation of resources to communities that need it the most. This is one of the most important issues to me that I've been fighting for since day one, since I started, because I understand that Police brutality is just the tip iceberg. Um, it, as important as and serious as it is, there are underlying circumstances that exasperate these causes, like poverty. You know, you tell these people in an impoverished community um, to pick yourself up by the bootstraps and work hard. And these people don't even have the foundation for the boots that you speak of. It's hypocrisy and you expect them to survive. And it's not rocket science that if you allocate the necessary and sustainable resources to the communities that need it the most, that it would drastically decrease quote unquote crime. And mm -hmm. me personally, I don't refer to it as crime. I refer to it as a life of survival because growing up in Brownsville, Brooklyn, I definitely seen like a lot of these people that's involved in what people consider crime, they don't even want to be there. Mm. Like real hood niggas, like they don't want to. They don't want to do that shit. Like, but they don't have a choice. It, like, when you grow up in communities like this, it creates a survival of the fittest mentality, and you gotta get it how you live. So, you know, 
I, 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 that's a cause that's really dear to my heart because I see the effects firsthand, whether it be in the educational system, um, the lack of mental health resources, where the amount of trauma that black and brown folks face in these impoverished communities, and just so many more resources that can come into our communities um, instead of the police departments across this country that wreak havoc in our communities. Um, and then another uh, issue that I'll close with in person that I'm fighting for right now, um, his name is Xavier Hill, who was an 18 year old young black child that was murdered by Virginia State Police in January, on January 9th. Um, and his family is still fighting to bring awareness to this case, but this case hit home for me particularly because one, he's a young person like me, and two, he's also my birthday twin. Mm. So we're both, we were both born on June 12th, and when I saw that, I was like, damn, like, this literally could have been me. Mm. Um, so those are some issues that I'm fighting for right now, and I expect the Biden administration just to close um, to really include people that can speak to what's going on on the ground, on the front lines, um, and I don't, we're not asking for that. Like, this is something that they owe us. They, they owe demand. black people because we put them in that position. Right. Without us, they would not be there. So I'm expecting that they include people that can really speak to the experiences of people from various communities, frontline activists, organizers, whatever, uh, in, that, in that space so we can build our own tables because even just having seats at the tables, we need to be able to create our own spaces for us, by us. Well, listen, so. I, I know that our future is in great hands. Yes, right. With you That's at right. the helms, just listening to you, hearing your passion, you know, being around you and seeing the work that you've done yeah. and how you continue to move. You you got the three Fs, I call it. Fly, um, focus, and a fighter. You know, yeah. to continue fly, to do what focus, you do. focus, and a fighter. That's a good you one. That's saying? a good one. You got one. the three Fs. That's my next caption. That's right. That's right. You, you can take that. You know, I don't, need, I don't need no credit on that. You go and take it. And you know, work. continue to do the work, Queen. We're going to support you. Everybody follow Nupal on Instagram. She is one of our premier leaders. You know, we say we're we talking about black history and we're talking about the women's, women's history. history. That's right. You know, we, we went have from crossed, black history to women's history. Crossed over you know, into women's. But women's history is black history. That's right. And this is the future. We the present. Yeah. yeah. You mm. know, and this is the future. Yeah. Continue on to your greatness, Queen. New Paul might be the, the present, present and the future. And the future. Yeah, New Paul, know. you know, you mentioned Xavier Hill, but you didn't say what happened to, to him. Can you give us 30 seconds on that and then tell us how folks can support you? Where can folks cash app you? Or oh. to hook you up and help yeah. you out. Xavier Hill was an 18-year-old young black child that was murdered by Virginia State Police on January 9th, 2021. Oh, um, it was a traffic stop that ended up turning deadly. Mm, traffic stop. That's the part him. I was trying to get to. I knew he was killed by police, but yeah. I want to know it, what were the circumstances with the traffic stop situation. Yeah. The traffic stop that deadly and his mother saw the dash cam footage and she said he had his he he was saying he did not have a weapon on him and that he was coming out peacefully he didn't want any confrontation but they still killed him wow. um and right now his mother latoya is her name is fighting for the body cam footage to be released and mm -hmm. lee merritt is on the case so i'm super happy about that and things are looking up because Lee is an amazing attorney. Yes. So we're hoping yes. to get Stop the, the mm -hmm. case released because unfortunately, like it shouldn't happen.
black people dying on camera for people to activate but that's the state that we're in that's right now where we are yep so yeah. cash app for you cash app is crystal clean va um it's crystal clean with two ends crystal clean with two ends va Crystal clean with two N's, V-A. We'll make sure to put that information out there. And also, y'all hear me continuously asking this young lady how we can support her. She's not telling us that information, so I'm going to go find it, and we will also include that. Nupal, thank you so (laughs) much for being with us today. Um, We appreciate you and cannot wait to meet you on the battlefield again. You're a leader. You're a courageous leader, and you are an inspiration to so many. The three Fs. A fighter who's focused and fly. fly. Ah, I love it. Love you guys so much. Stay safe out there. Thank you. You too. You too. I don't know where people get this whole notion that there are no leaders. You know, it seems like there's just so many of them to me. And maybe it's because we come into contact with so many people while we're traveling, you know, thinking about folks in Louisville, Kentucky, in Minneapolis, um, you know, in D.C., just all over the country, and then looking at folks like Nupal, Mary Pat, these are young folks that are doing really, really incredible work. Like, they're actually undergirding, if you will, the entire movement, keeping it going, because sometimes as we get older, we become a little less courageous, a little less bold. Yeah, you, and so to take chances, you want to take less yeah. chances. Wisdom makes you a lot more cautious Mm -hmm. you know and um these young people and i think what you said to your point you know people are saying that they don't see leaders or where are the leaders and i think because leadership now is not the traditional look Mm -hmm. you know there's not the conditional way that you're exalted into leadership it comes straight from grassroots it's coming from communities that normally weren't even engaged in the process. Like, we were fighting for the communities, but it wasn't people who were actually engaged in the process from marginalized communities, who who sounded like the culture, who, you know, didn't fit a certain certain little motto. They weren't of the, the cloth. They didn't come from church. They didn't have a religious background and all these things. I think before, that was... When you look at, tell me, so tell me the leaders because, that prior to that. Because when I think of. Or they weren't Ivy League, uh, come from colleges and all. Tell me the leaders now, I mean, before that didn't have that background. I think there was certainly a level of intellectual um, greatness, if you will, that existed within some of the leaders of our past that we're striving for today. Mm-hmm. I think that that's true, and that's probably what we see because these were people I think who that's what were, we're searching for. Right, that's what they're searching what, for. What people are searching for. Um, and Well, I say striving for because we're reading and we're trying to uh, to educate ourselves, and, and, and I think that it helps to make you a stronger leader, and that's what we have sort of identified in some people of the past. But I'm not sure that we can say that the Black Panthers, because I meet Black Panthers all the time, or people who were a part of the Black Panther movement who still live in the community. Now, I don't, I mean, I do feel like the movement, whatever that means, I'm looking for a new term for the movement, um, is made up of a lot of people, and it certainly was in the past, people who no one knew where they grew up. Right. Like no one really understood their story. At least it's not what got publicized. 
And I think social media is the difference because they didn't have the ability to tell their stories morning, noon, and night to bring you into the relationships with their mother, cousin, sisters. They didn't have that. And the only ones that you learned of, of, of those relationships and the interpersonal um, uh, life of someone is because the world or the country or certain black people or whomever took a special interest in that person and therefore the media portrayed it, but the media was always showing it in a negative light. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think social media is giving us the opportunity to examine the, the real lives of, of individuals. Of individuals. Of and I think that brings me to my, I don't get it. What don't you get, sir? I don't get why people cannot see leaders with flaws or leaders who don't necessarily fit into a box. I don't get why is there this need to think that leaders are perfect. You know, when we talked to Doc today and he was explaining to us about his book about Martin Luther King and how people were angry with him and he exposed some of the flaws of, you know, one of the greatest men that we know today. Like, I say that all the time. I say, if you look at most of our greatest leaders, you know, it's not highlighted the flaws that they had, but they had very serious oh, flaws yeah. Oh, that yeah. people speak of. And I don't understand why people see it as hypocrisy that you want to stand on the front line and fight for our people, right? You want to advocate for equality. You want to advocate for justice. You know, want to advocate for unity, but that you actually have flaws in your in, as an individual, that you actually are going through individual things. You are suffering from certain things. You are fighting with certain things. Like, I don't understand why people see this need. I really just don't get why people see this need to box our leaders or people who are actually fighting into one thing. And if you're not that one thing that they want you to be, then you're a hypocrite and you can't represent. Yeah, Dr. Dyson said exactly what it is. It's a white supremacist theory. You know, I was um, sitting in a training one time uh, during the, the Women's March and a black woman was walking us through some, you know, inter-organizational inter issues and other things. It was a retreat. And she said that perfection is a tool of white supremacy mm. where people use the idea that if you're not if you're not perfect, to uh, Dr. Dyson's point, you're canceled, you're finished, you have to be first in line, you have to, you know, accomplish more than anyone else. And those types of, that mentality actually stops us from being as great as we could be exactly. if we allowed ourselves to to experience our um experience our imperfections and exactly. i and i said you know a couple of weeks ago i don't remember exactly when it was on this show that i realized even my imperfections help to make up the person that i am the world doesn't necessarily see it that way people will sit and criticize you for the same shit they do every day every day because you're supposed to be better than them you're just a human being, but you're supposed to be better than them. No, I'm not supposed to be better than you. Only thing I'm supposed to do is use my moral compass and, and strive to be the best person that I can be. You know, we go through this all the time. I've been, I go through it all the time. I see comments on my page. You know, my my quote is gangster but woke. And, and it, it confuses people. Mm -hmm. It pisses people off. How are you going to be gangster but woke? You can't, you can't straddle the fence. And I say, what is straddle the fence with? I come from a community where gangster has a, a meaning, right? Mm -hmm. Gangster means that you are stand up. 
that you're strong, that you're willing to fight, that you're willing to, to speak your mind, that you stand on principles, that you stand in authenticity. When you woke, it means that you're, you've alerted yourself to the realities of life that we're dealing with. You know, you've alerted, you said, damn, I, we need to fight as black people. Understand the struggle black people are dealing with. Understand the, the, the systemic racism. Understand how the plan is to keep us boxed into this um, one place. And, and so when you combine both of those things, you connect to so many different people. Like, I came from prison. I did seven years in prison. So my story connects people to, in prison who never seen a pathway into this movement. They thought they weren't worthy. They thought people said, oh, I'm not good enough. Right. You know, I don't even know how to get involved in that. So I'm connecting with them. I'm bringing them to this movement. I'm bringing people that are still in the street, that have a street mentality, who who live by a certain, you know, a, rules in the street that a lot, everybody don't understand. But it's about integrity. Mm. I tell people all the time, people are like, oh, you with this quote-unquote no snitching thing. And I tell people, it's not about, snitching thing is not a street principle. It's integrity. It's about being able to be accountable and stand up to what you do. If you made a decision that I want to engage in a crime, right? I made a decision I'm going to engage in a crime. Despite people saying don't do this. As a grown man, I made an intelligent decision. I'm going to engage in this crime. Not an intelligent decision. I made a conscious, not intelligent. I apologize. It wasn't intelligent because engaging in crime is really not smart. But I made a conscious decision to engage in this act. And understanding that what comes with this act is one, two, and three. The minute that you engage in that act and you have to face those consequences is because you're not man enough or willing to deal with those consequences. You decide that you want to give up information so someone else can deal with their consequences so that you don't deal with your consequences. That's nothing but a lack of integrity. It's not about a street principle. It's not that you just talking about crime no that's manhood men stand up for what they do stand what it is that you do and people have an issue that i do not subscribe to anyone is who is too weak to deal with the consequences of their own actions it's not about streets i take those principles into a boardroom i take those principles into civil rights if me and you are standing with each other and we do something together and people in the world is attacking you Right, and they're attacking me because of this. I'm not gonna say, well, Tamika was doing it, trying to say nothing about her to get the spite light off of me. Mm-hmm. It's just integrity. There's some people you know? out here that'll do it. Exactly. And, and because they, they lack integrity. So I'm built on integrity. I don't it's not about street principles. When I say gangster but woke, this is the integrity in the in it's the integrity for you. It's the integrity for me, man. And I'm woke. So when I combine both of those, it makes me more more um, qualified to lead because everybody doesn't have those experiences and criteria and not respected in all the areas of life that I'm respected in. So don't be mad at me because you don't have that skill set that you can speak, you know, fluent in Ebonics and you can go into a boardroom <laughs> and talk like a college professor it. because you can't do those things. Don't be mad at me because I can sit down with scholars and, you know, and connect with them and, and go down to brothers who haven't even been uh, to pass junior high school and bring all of those worlds together. Don't be mad at me. Don't call me a hypocrite because you're not as skilled as I am with the skill set that I was blessed with and along my path that God gave me. You know, just do you. Get you something to do. Mm. Well... First of all, to all of that, but I do think that we should have, on one of our shows, we should have a deeper conversation about this whole idea of the meaning of gangster. Because I think over time, it's being defined as 
something uh, different from what most people understand it to mean. Well, but to me, it's like this. It's, it's the same thing as when people want to argue with you about defunding police, right? When, when you when you argue with me about defunding police, you understand what the, the reality is. No, if I, well, so what I'm trying to say is this. If I'm not out there with a gun, listen to me. If you're looking at me, right? And I'm not out there with a gun. I'm not selling drugs. I'm not doing none of those things. And I'm moving people away from the streets. And I'm saying I'm gangster, right? Then And I'm showing you what the criteria is for gangster is for me. And you telling me, no, that's not what it is. So you need to change the word. It's like the I same way that, that you the, say with defund. I think that, that a part of the word is gang. Yeah, it, 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 it triggers people. Well, gang is just a lot of people. Well, I understand so, that. But it triggers people when you deal with uh, when you deal with the the actual context of what it has but meant you, in our community. No, but you can't. You got to look at the individual that's using the word and not the word in itself. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? You got to look at the con Like defund. When you say defund, it means take funds away, right? We know that we don't mean take all we the money. We didn't say abolish. Uh, exactly. But so today, today, we're going to have to. We, listen, I'm with it, man. I, I want to have these conversations because y'all can't keep challenging me about a life that I live. You don't get to tell me the words I use. You don't get to tell me how I move. And I'm just not going to allow it to happen to me. I'm going to leave on my own. You want to follow, you follow, you don't. Then you leave something else. But you do you. And on that note, thank you for being with us. We appreciate y'all. I'm not going to always be right. <laughs> Tamika will more than likely be wrong, but not all the time. <laughs> not all the time. But we will both always be your thing. Always, always. Thank you for joining the Street Politicians. Number one, number one show in the world. Peace. Peace. That's how we own it. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. See new things. Try new things. Go back centuries while living in the moment. Forge new paths while discovering old ones. Pedal, paddle, and paint while trekking, tasting, and tailoring experiences that transform you into a better version of yourself. Immerse yourself in the world by activating your mind, your heart, and your body on a river cruise exclusively from Avalon Waterways. Save with limited time offers at AvalonWaterways.com. Avalon is cruising. Elevated.